0: Uh, today we're going to wrap up our Christmas series, our incarnate series, the Advent. Uh, Advent is done. Christ has come. We celebrate his birth. We look forward to his second coming. I hope you had a great Christmas. Uh, I hope that you received those things that blessed you. It's not always physical stuff or gifts that bless us. It's often the gift of someone's presence, not the presence. Anyway, you get the picture. I hope your Christmas was good and that you enjoyed those moments. But we are actually in the uh, the 12 days of Christmas if you're familiar with, with the calendar we're coming up to Epiphany which celebrates the arrival of the wise dudes uh, at the manger as to whether or not that was within the same year or years later we're not sure uh, but all the same we're still in the Christmas season so we're going to wrap up first by looking real quick and just remembering that Jesus putting on flesh coming and dwelling amongst us in the manger up to the cross it really serves to bring us peace he is peace in the flesh. And we join in with the angels in declaring glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. That we know the peace of God is ours through Christ Jesus. That Jesus is love in the flesh. And he reveals to us the love of the Father by by coming and living and dying for us. Romans 5.8. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus is hope in the flesh, hope incarnate. And remember, hope is not crossing your fingers. I hope so, but it is a sure and certain date on your calendar and mind when redemption will be made complete and Jesus will return in all his glory. Titus 2, 13 and 14 says this, we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And how can we have this hope? Why are we certain? Because he gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession, eager to do good works. He is our hope and he is... Our joy in the flesh. Joy. First Peter chapter 1, verses 8 and 9 says this. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though not seeing him now, you believe in him. And you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy. Because right now, you are receiving the goal of your faith. The salvation of your souls. So Jesus is for us. And we lit the candles. He is our Peace. He is uh, the love of God. He is our hope. He is our joy, and He has come, and He is coming again. And so today, we really want to talk about the the so what of all of this. The the why does this matter? What does it do? How does it change how we live? We have this amazing opportunity this year to have a Sunday. That is New Year's Eve. Because uh, we want to make resolutions. We want to make changes. We want to see a new year. And and today is an opportunity for you to take the things that we've learned throughout Advent and say, what am I going to do with it this new year? How am I going to allow excuse me, the truth of Jesus Christ to flow through me into the world around me. So if you have your Bible, I encourage you to open it up to 2 Corinthians chapter five, and we're gonna be focusing on verses 14 through 21. 2 Corinthians chapter five, verses 14 through 21. If everything worked right technologically, it should be in the Bible app under the events as well. And you can follow along there in addition to your physical bible so second corinthians chapter 5 the apostle paul has written this letter to the church in corinth and at this point in the letter he is spending some time essentially defending his role as apostle because there are others in the church who are calling into question his ability to speak for christ his ability to lead and so Uh, He's kind of reiterating his role and his position, and by the beginning of chapter 5, he's really talking about how everything he does is for the church, and he gives himself for them. And so by the time we get to verse 13, he says this about himself. He says, uh, in in defending his role as apostle, he says, if we are out of our minds, it is for God. People were accusing him of being crazy, of being unhinged. He says, if I am, it is for the sake of God. And if we are in our right mind, in other words, if I'm thinking clearly, well, it's for your sake that I think clearly. It's for your sake that I'm making these choices to give of myself for the sake of the gospel. And so, then we move to verses 14 through 21 and here's what paul writes he says for the love of christ compels us since we have reached this conclusion that one died for all and therefore all died and he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for the one who died for them and was raised From now on then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come." Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So as he's defending his role as an apostle, he says, if I am crazy, it's for God. If I'm in my right mind, it's for your sake. Because there is something in knowing Christ that changes us, that, that shifts my focus, that, that just makes the world a different place. And he says this about himself and all of us. For the love of Christ compels us. Now, some of us, we maybe read this phrase and we think about some sort of exorcism, you know, and the love of Christ compels you and there's some sort of holy water involved. But no, Paul is saying this is for everyone. When we understand the love of Christ, it should be motivating us and moving us out of our complacency and into a a position and a lifestyle, a level of activity by which others might consider us crazy for the sake of Jesus. That's what he says about himself. If I'm crazy, it's for Jesus. If I'm in my right mind, it's for you. Because I am so motivated by the love that Jesus has for all of us that I can't help myself. Since we have reached this conclusion that one died for all and therefore all died. Now what he means by this is that we are all dead to sin When we trust Christ Jesus, we have been raised up to a brand new life because he died on the cross, came in the manger, died on the cross. We are now given the opportunity to believe on him as Lord and Savior and his death counts for everyone who believes. And now we are dead to the sin that used to enslave us and rule over us. And so we have been brought up to new life. It says this, and he died for all so that those who live can have a nice, cushy American life. Hallelujah. All right, let's pray. No, that's not what he says, is it? He says this, those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. The focus of our life as believers is such that we understand the love of Jesus reflected in the manger and the cross. We look at all that he did here. That's why we take the time to talk about the incarnation, to understand the cost first of the manger The manger was not a cheap expression of God just doing some wild thing because he's God. But the cost for the second person of the Trinity, the very son of God, to take on flesh just in the first place is enormous. And then he lives a life just like us. I just can't imagine. And then he dies for us and rises again that we might rise again in life as well. And and so he died for us, so we should no longer live for ourselves, but for the one who died on our behalf and was raised up for us. And so this passage begins to tell us, now that we understand all that Jesus has given to us in his life and death and resurrection... Now that we get it and we know what his life and death and resurrection mean for us, we should have a complete change of purpose in our lives. Complete change of purpose. And this isn't just for people who are called to be missionaries. This isn't just for people who are called to be pastors. This isn't just for Sunday school teachers. This is for everyone who calls on the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You have been given a change of purpose in your life. And it is supposed to be one from self to Savior. You no longer live for yourself, but you live for your Savior. Now, this is expressed in so many different ways. For some of us, like myself, it's maybe easier. I get to be in full-time vocational ministry. And it's like, well, it's easy to be a Christian that way. Sometimes... Not always. And I will acknowledge the fact that I am blessed to do what I do to have the calling I have. And yet, so are you. Because to live for self can happen in every place you walk, talk, live, and breathe. It can happen at home, in your families, where you bend the focus from your will to the will of God. It can happen in your workplace where you allow yourself to be salt and light in the midst of darkness and paganism. It can be at the grocery store where instead of being a glaring humbug, you spread joy and light. Where people might look at you and go, they're crazy. Yes, I am for Jesus and for your sake because I want you to know his love. Do you see how it doesn't take being a missionary to live out the purpose that we've been given as Christians. But instead, instead of making yourself the center of everything, everywhere you walk. To seek to make Christ the king in every moment. To lift up the sacrifice that's been made for you and for everyone who would believe. And to understand our job as Christians is to share that good news with everyone around us. We have been given a change of purpose. And then Paul goes on to say this. And this is going to be a little weird sounding maybe, but it'll help here in a moment. From now on then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. Now, that, 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 that phrase, worldly perspective, it's really a translation of in the flesh or according to the things of this world. And if we were to look at Jesus and simply see the baby and simply see the life of a, a, a tecton, a, a construction worker, to see a, a man who grew up in poverty, to see a guy who really didn't get started until he was in his thirties. For, so there's still hope for many of us, right? Um, <laughs> to, to see that we, we wouldn't look at Jesus and go, oh, wow, he's amazing. What a dude. He was, I mean, he was, you know, a millionaire by the time he was 20. He, you know, fortune 500. He was, he was the top religious leader. We don't see that in Jesus. When we look at Jesus, when we look at who he is, even as revealed through the gospels, we wouldn't go, wow because of the things that he wore, or the way that he walked, or the house that he lived in, we would look at him and go, eh, he's okay, I guess. Seems like a nice guy. You know, the people in his hometown, they didn't even appreciate him. He came back to preach in Nazareth, to teach, to share his good news in Nazareth. And they're like, isn't that the son of Mary and Joseph? Uh, that kid again. And if we simply look at Jesus through the eyes of the flesh, through fleshly things, we would discount him. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying, there was a time when I looked at Jesus, when I looked at his teaching, and I counted him as nothing because he was unimpressive to me. Many of us know the history of the Apostle Paul. That before his salvation, he was a dedicated jew a pharisee of pharisees is how he describes himself and the pharisees were dedicated rule keepers now they were passionate about their relationship with god but completely misdirected in it they thought that by right living and good works they would be and remain god's chosen people and in right relationship with god but they failed to understand their inability to genuinely be good and Paul says, I was, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I was, a, I was just like the, the epitome of a religious man. And, and he says, when I looked at Jesus and I looked at his followers, I had disdain for them. He went out and he actually participated in the murder of some Christians. And was actively pursuing jail for other Christians on the day that he met Jesus face to face. Literally. Literally. And so the apostle Paul can give us this perfect example of someone who looked at Jesus and said, I discount him in the flesh. But then when he really got to know who Jesus was, he fell in love with him. He gave his whole life in service to him. Eventually, he literally gave his life for the sake of the gospel. And so we see, if we just look at Jesus through the eyes of fleshly things, we're maybe not all that excited. But he says this, not just change your perspective about Jesus, but from now on then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. We don't look at anyone and just look at their flesh and their achievements. We don't look at how they're dressed. We don't look at their affectations or their accents. But instead, we look at everyone in faith and with potential And with the ability to be saved through Christ Jesus. Now, the first person we need to change our perspective on oftentimes is ourself. Now, I'm not big on self-help and I'm not big on feel good about yourself. Because I think we should be completely dependent upon God and his Holy Spirit to help us. And I think that we, we should understand his value for us. And that's really what the Apostle Paul, first we have to change our perspective on ourselves. He wants us to understand that. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? Who do you see? Do you see someone whom God loves and has chosen and has redeemed and can do great and mighty things through? Or do you see the person you used to be? Do you see things that make you doubt and worry Do you look in the mirror and see your big ears and your nose that sticks out? I'm just talking for myself. Your chin that's a little too small. Please don't get really picky on me now that I'm pointing out my imperfections. Shelly, please don't leave me. Um, The hairy ear. right? Do Do you see the things you hate about yourself? The person who's easily distracted by sins that beset you and you struggle with. Do you see those things? Do you say, God can't use me? The first step to this is to look in the mirror of God's word and understand if you have, by faith, trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You have turned your life over to him that you need to see yourself differently. You are beloved. You are renewed. You are usable in the kingdom of God. You can Share the gospel. You can live out the Christian life. You are not good enough. But by his grace, he fills you up with his goodness. And makes you usable in his kingdom. And that's true for all of us. None of us are good enough on our own. Even the best looking, most talented, they are worthless to the work of God. The richest, the most successful are worthless to the work of God if they are not fully submitted to him and have not changed the perspective on themselves. If you think that if you achieve something, then God can use you, you are mistaken. It is if you turn yourself over to him and you live your life for him, he will use you. Change your perspective. And that's what the apostle Paul is telling us in this new year, in light of all that Jesus is and has done for us, the peace, the hope, the love, the joy, the incarnation His coming again. The certainty of salvation in light of that change your perspective first about yourself and then about every person you encounter. There is no one that cannot be saved by the grace of God. There is no one whose life can't be revolutionized if you were to simply share the good news of the gospel with them and invite them to follow after Jesus, even as you do. There is no one who is beyond hope of redemption. And so first, we change our perspective on ourselves, and we change our perspective to those around us and we understand we are to be living for Christ and everyone can be saved if only we would share the good news of the gospel. Then the Apostle Paul says this, therefore, and therefore is always a a summary, therefore, in light of all of this, this change of heart, this change of life, this new perspective, therefore in Christ Jesus if anyone is in Christ if anyone is saved if anyone has submitted themselves to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior believed on his perfect incarnation and sacrificial death and his resurrection turned their lives over to him if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation the old has passed away and see the new has come Look, you can change your perspective on yourself because you're brand new in Jesus. If you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are no longer a slave to that sin. Stop giving into it. You're no longer the failures that you used to be. You are now new in Christ Jesus And that's what it says. You are a new creation. He has taken and reshaped and remolded and renewed you, and you are pleasing in His sight, and you are fully equipped for every good work that He commands you to do. By the power of the Spirit, you are filled up with the fullness of God. Understand everything you thought limited you is gone. And now it's Christ. You are a new creation. The old is dead. And the brand new is here. We've been given a new purpose. We've been given a a change of perspective. and, And the promises for all those who are in Christ Jesus. We've also been given a change of person. We are different. We are new. We are no longer what we used to be. So when we look at a new year, we can either continue to live in the same old ruts we've always been in, or we can look at what Jesus has done for us in in, in his birth, in his incarnation, and we can go, in light of this great gift, I'm going to live the change that's already been made in me. You are no longer the old man. You are now a new purpose, a new person, excuse me. I've read ahead. I hate when I do that kind of stuff. This new purpose, he told us, no longer living for ourselves, but instead living for our savior. He goes on to define it. He goes on to define it in clarity. So we really understand what this means. It's not just some nebulous, be better. It is a very specific purpose and task we've been given. Verses 18 and 19, everything is from God. What what a reminder, right? Just, just pause right there. Everything is from God. Do you think you accomplished it yourself? You did not. Do you think you should receive the glory? You should not. Everything is from God. Draw in a breath right now. Gift of God. Feel your heart beat. Gift of God. Look at my ugly mug. A gift of God, right? Not the mug, but the looking part. The Bible on your lap, a gift of God. The spirit within you, a gift from God. The lunch you're already thinking about, a gift from God. The nap you're taking right now, a gift from God. (laughs) There's only one or two of you, it's okay. But you know how I feel about that the peace of God may it pass all understanding and may you rejoice in your refreshing so it's okay to fall asleep I find myself boring sometimes too everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ He has brought us to peace with him. He did all of the work to make peace. We were rebellious and rejected him. We, by our rebellion and sin, earned for ourselves death, wrath, and punishment. That's what we deserve. But in sending Christ Jesus, who lived a perfect and sinless life and died on the cross in our place and rose again on the third day, he has done all the work of making peace with us his rebellious creation, reconciled us to himself through Christ. And here's this purpose he's given us, the ministry of reconciliation. He has given us the ministry of reconciliation. If we were to ask before this service, how many of you feel called to full-time ministry? Who who, who might raise their hands? Well, I know I would, right? I I know I'm called to full-time ministry. Others of you might see what you do as full-time ministry. But when we read God's word right here, let me ask again. Who here has been called to full-time ministry? Who's been called to ministry? Okay, If you don't raise your hand, you're missing the point of this. I'll ask it again. Let's read this little part of verse. He has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Paul's not just talking about himself. He's talking about everyone in the church First in Corinth, and then to every church that has ever been, and the church universal. So, once again, who here has been given ministry and called to ministry? Who here? Who here? Are some of you just that lazy? You don't want to raise your hand, man. I love y'all, but it's not that hard. I'm trying to make a point. This is right. I don't use videos. We just—it's interactive. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. We have been called to it. Every one of us this new year needs to understand we are called to ministry. If you are a Christian, you are called to ministry. That is, in Christ, this is the ministry, this is the reconciliation that we're supposed to be sharing. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and He has committed the message of reconciliation to the preachers on television, to the International Mission Board to the pastor at church. No, to all of us. This ministry of reconciliation has been given to all of us. This message of reconciliation, come and be made right with God through Christ Jesus, it's been given to all of us. No one is excluded from this new purpose. If you are a Christian... This is your new purpose in life. And here's what we're supposed to do. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador is someone who comes and speaks with the authority of the one they represent. They're able to to offer up peace deals. They're able to to conclude business on behalf of the one who sent them. You and I were sent fully empowered by God. His Holy Spirit within us to represent him in every aspect of life and offer up a peace deal to everyone who is still in rebellion against him. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ since God is making his appeal through us. We all plead on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. Would you make peace with your God? Would you make peace with the one who loves you and created you? Would you make peace with the one who even when you rebelled against him in sinfulness, still his loving kindness endured forever and he made a way for you to be saved through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. Be reconciled to God. And then a final reminder. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He made Jesus the sacrifice for our sin. He, he took all of the wrath and the punishment. Everything that we deserved, the physical death the pain, the suffering, everything that we deserved, he took it on the cross on our behalf. And remember, we talked about the importance of the incarnation. It's important that it's real and he was fleshy because it is that way that the payment is in the right currency. But it's also important that you understand he was God incarnate, the fullness of God dwelling within man because only God could afford to pay the price for everyone's sin. In the right currency, flesh, according to the right bank account, the infinite God of creation. And the price for sin was paid so that we might be looked at and counted as righteous before God when we believe on Jesus Christ. Scripture elsewhere talks, elsewhere talks about being clothed in the righteousness of Christ. This beautiful picture of God taking what is terrible and wrong and broken and sinful and rebellious about us and when when we trust on jesus christ as lord and savior by faith it's removed from us and placed on christ and then the goodness and the perfection and the righteousness of christ and the obedience of christ is placed over us like a new coat and when god looks at us that's what he sees he made the one who did not know him or no sin, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the purpose that we've been given. Each and every one of us has been given the ministry of reconciliation and the message of reconciliation. And we are supposed to be going out into our world in light of this great and wonderful gift given to us this Christmas. Go out into the world and declare, be reconciled, to god and and i'm gonna just speak from the heart and not that i haven't been but 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 this is kind of off script like i use a script we have suffered some blows as a church this last year and and relationally uh, we've lost some folks for reasons that have been like okay love you as you go We've had others make choices to, to, to look at other churches. And, and that's okay. We, we don't begrudge them those choices. But, but let me tell you something. If you look around and you're, you lament empty seats and you think it's my job to fill them, you are mistaken. You, we, all of us have been given the ministry of reconciliation. For this church to prosper and grow first it takes the work of god amongst us but then it takes us doing the work of christ amongst everyone in our everyday life and that we need to be going out and telling people be reconciled to god let me give you the gospel let me invite you to the my church family that helps you understand this Let me invite you into the fellowship that he made for us, the family that he ordained for us. Let me invite you into the goodness of God. Instead of lamenting empty chairs, I want you to look around and considering your call to the ministry of reconciliation and the message that you've been given, be reconciled to God that you should be sharing with the world around you. When you see an empty chair, I want you to imagine someone in your life whose rear end belongs there. And what are you going to do to share that? this message with them Charles Haddon Spurgeon some of us have heard of him some of them have not he was a preacher over in England big church they call him the prince of preachers he used to preach long sermons and um, mine are kind of long too I know but he was asked in training up pastors one, one, one student asked, so, so what do we do? I mean, what, what happens with those who never hear the gospel out in other countries? Will they be saved? And Spurgeon replies, this even more troubling is, is not about the people who never hear the gospel. It was whether we who know the gospel and do nothing to bring it to the lost could actually be saved if Jesus is precious to you. He's like, don't, don't be worried about people over there who haven't heard the gospel just yet. If in your everyday life, you're not willing to share Jesus. And the question is, if you're not willing to share Jesus in your everyday life, are you even saved? And listen, I want you to know that these words cut me too. I walk around, it is so easy for me to preach. I, I This church could be a hundred times bigger and it wouldn't bother me to stand up in front of the crowd and share the good news of Jesus Christ and to preach the word. To, I, to talk to one person about Jesus scares the living daylights out of me. I'm afraid I'm going to be an imposition. I don't care if they like me so much, but I just don't want to. I don't want to ruin their day. And yet, I need to get past. Right, this we talked about. I need to understand my new purpose. I need to get this new perspective and realize that I'm a new creation. I'm a new person. And to stop living in the past and my fears and my struggles and say, let me do what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to grow in this. So Spurgeon says, the question is, what about people who say they believe but don't share Jesus? You will not be able to, to keep your good news to yourself if you really believe in Jesus. You will be whispering it in your child's ear. You will be telling it to your husband. You will be earnestly imparting it to your friend without charms of eloquence. You will be more than eloquent. In other words, you may not have the right words, but your words will be beautiful. Because you'll be sharing the gospel. Your heart will speak and your eyes will flash as you talk of his sweet love. And then here's the the conclusion that cuts to the quick. Every Christian here is either a missionary or an imposter. And as we look back at God's word and we look at this ministry of reconciliation that we've been given, would you agree with that? I think I do. There is no middle ground. There is, uh, no, I'll share Jesus on a mission trip or, or, you know, I'll get some tracks and I'll leave them in the men's room. There's none, I mean, not that those are bad things, but listen, those are not the ministry of reconciliation that you've been called to. The ministry of reconciliation is that you go out, you look at people differently and you proclaim them to them face to face, be reconciled to the God who loves you through Christ Jesus. Every Christian here today is either a missionary or an imposter. I feel weak in the knees even right now, just just as the Spirit convicts me. Not to say that you're in danger of losing your salvation, but I want you to hear me. Are you saved? Then live like it right his love for you is steadfast salvation is not something that comes and goes according to our obedience but this is a challenge to look at ourselves and say if i'm genuinely saved i must be the missionary because i don't want to be the imposter so a challenge for the new year understand some things you are a new person Everything you say about yourself that's based on who you were before Christ or before you turned an area of your life over to him is no longer true. And I struggle with this on a regular basis. Look, modern psychiatry, psychology, and and the tests that we take and the things that we learn about ourselves, they can be so helpful until we wear it as a label and don't move beyond it. I say of myself, I am an introvert, and that is true. And you go, wait a minute, you stand up front and talk forever. I know, but crowds drain me. And when I preach, like this is it for the day. Like uh, the rest of the day, I'll just be sitting on the couch going, there might be drool. If, if we ever have to go to two services, I'm going to have to cut my sermons and, and go to fall asleep in the green room between services or something. I mean, I'm just it, it just sucks me dry. To, to do counseling, an hour of counseling, and I love to do counseling, so don't hear me, but an hour of counseling is like two days of manual labor. It just takes everything out of me. I would rather work on a roof in the summer than have to do counseling every day. That doesn't mean don't come to me for counseling. In fact, some of you need to be coming to me more often and asking questions about how to apply Scripture to your life and what to do for your next steps. And I'm here for you. But, But I can use that label. I'm an introvert and things drain me, and I can go, so I can't go do that. Or I can say, I'm an introvert and things drain me. Lord, help me not to be like that anymore. Give me the strength that I need. Some of you, you're an extrovert. You love it. You will annoy people. You will drive people away from Christianity because you will run your mouth constantly and get into everything. Lord, help me not to talk so much, but just to share what's necessary. Help me to love them through my actions and to stop running my mouth so much. You see how that works? Every strength can be a weakness, and every weakness. Can be something we pray about that god would use us differently you are a new person it doesn't matter what sin you've committed you are made clean in christ jesus he can use you it doesn't matter what sins have been perpetrated on you by others you can be made whole in christ jesus and he can use you you are a new person you have a new perspective you're a new person with a new perspective what is that perspective? Just like we look at Jesus, not through the manger, not through uh, his flesh or his limited accomplishments in this life, but we look at him as who he genuinely is, the incarnate son of God who gave himself for us. Just as we look at Jesus differently when we understand him, now that we have been saved by him, we look at everyone around us with a different perspective, that everyone can be saved. Everyone has the opportunity to come to Christ. There is no one in your life for whom the gospel will be ineffective if they will simply choose Jesus. No one. And so it's worth sharing with them. It's worth speaking to them. It's worth living it out in front of them because it's possible. You're a new person with a new perspective, given a new purpose. Listen, providing for your family is a great purpose and you should continue in that. Loving those around you is a great purpose and you should continue in that. Testifying to God and making resources to send to missionaries is a great purpose and you should continue in that. But your primary purpose in this life is you are an ambassador of the good news of reconciliation and you should be living it. And so you are a new person with a new perspective, given a new purpose And what is that new purpose? Call out to others with the good news of reconciliation through Christ. Start sharing the gospel, folks. If the empty seats bum you out and they bum me out, I get it. Don't limit those who have made choices to go elsewhere and chase after them. Instead, find the unsafe person in your life that needs Jesus for the first time and invite them to come and join you here share the good news of reconciliation with them live out the ministry you've been called to some things you can do this year number one, I want to encourage you to pick, pray for and share the news of reconciliation with one person per month this year I want you to write it down in your Bible, I want you to pick pray for and share the good news, now it doesn't mean that if they don't come forward when we sing just as I am or pray the sinner's prayer that you failed. No. The challenge is to be faithful to the ministry you've been given and to trust God for what comes next. But if we never share the good news of Jesus, no one in our life will be saved. Or someone else will get the privilege of reaping that harvest. Pick one person every month to pray for and share the good news with. Second. Simple things you can do. Broadcast the gospel. On social media. Now I realize this is. Not as easy. Because some of our people. Some of our friends. Some of the people we are connected with. Don't know who we are really. In Christ. And maybe they've never. Seen the gospel from us. And it's time to start making it a prominent thing. I. I. I'm bad. I like to post memes of, you know, Arius getting punched by St. Nicholas, right? I mean, that's woohoo! Hallelujah! Ah, heretics, um, right? That, that, and, and those of you who don't get it, it's okay. It's a Jesus nerd thing. And not everybody's a Jesus nerd, though we are all followers of Christ, right? I like to post weird stuff. I, I like to post just, or I like to argue. Anybody else? Arguing? Arguing's your thing? Yes. Hallelujah. Social media. That's what it's made for. To hate on strangers. But I just felt really convicted a couple of days ago. That I don't know that I have posted the gospel on Facebook. I don't know if I ever have. Like just a clear presentation of the gospel. I've posted verses upon verses. How many times I'm in church, right? I check in at church regularly. The the live streams on Facebook through my account, right? But when's the last time I shared the gospel? On Twitter? Never. I just, you know, I throw bombs into rooms and walk out on Twitter. Right? Share the gospel. You're not on social media. Okay. Share a tract or two or three with people near you. Do you need tracts? Let me know. I'll get them for you. But broadcast the gospel. Social media or face-to-face this year. Don't be afraid to sow some seed, to just throw it out and allow God to bring the increase. And then finally, go on a mission trip this year. Get out of your comfort zone and go someplace different and do something that scares you for the sake of the good news of Jesus and you 'll be witnessing by both your actions and by literally sharing this good news of reconciliation i have a, I have an offering for you. we the last three years a number of us have gone down into West virginia and actually it 's not going to be in clay this year. I, I just read the brochure for the first time. Uh, sometimes you make assumptions and you 're wrong uh, and and I assume something but Down in in West Virginia, we're working with an organization called Vision Appalachia. We go down there and we do construction on homes, repairs, and add handicap ramps. They're doing tiny homes for folks. And if that's not your thing, you can go down and do day camp for kids. And it's a sports-oriented, VBS-style day camp. And art and music. And so there's lots of opportunities. Whatever your strength is, you can serve. And so maybe you're like, okay, I don't know about you know sharing tracks and I need to just jump into something like both feet and see what God can do. Join us on a mission trip this summer. Brochures for it. Amazingly, there are brochures right here on the table. Come grab a brochure. Check out the website, visionappalachia.org and see if this is something that God would have you do. Is it a little expensive? Yep. Is it like out of your comfort zone? Uh-huh. Guess what? We'll be sleeping on a church camp this year. Not on the floors of a school. I don't know if that's an upgrade or a downgrade. But everything we're going to be doing is for the sake of sharing this ministry of reconciliation. So, one of these things this year. I just want to challenge you. Or actually, all of these things. Pick, pray for And share the good news with one person every month this coming year. And if you do it, I'd love to know. I'd love for you to write me a note, to write it on a comment card, to email me. Hey, I just had the chance to. To broadcast it on social media. If you get our email later today, you're going to get just a picture, a single picture, that has our gospel presentation that we use, the four diamonds. You'll get that in an email. And you can rob it out of the email. And post it on social media. And share it with an invitation to anyone who'd like to ask questions or discuss it. You might need to put, not looking for arguments, just wanted you to know. There's also, I'll send you a link to a really nice website with a gospel presentation. Two opportunities, two different ways that on social media, you could share the gospel later today. And then consider going on a mission trip. Whether it's with Vision Appalachia or other opportunities we're going to have through the association, there are going to be opportunities to serve in certain events later this summer as well. We'll be keeping you up to date on those. So just know, you need to be living the ministry you were called to. And so do I. May we take these challenges seriously. Not because we have to earn our salvation, but because the great gift of God is through Christ Jesus, is salvation for all who will believe. And our response to that gift should be to take up the ministry he's given to us and to live it out. I join with you in lamenting over open chairs. Hopefully by about halfway through this year, by prayer and faithfulness to sharing the gospel, we'll have to figure out how to get more chairs in the room. Wouldn't that be great? But it only comes if we're faithful to the ministry we've been given. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for your word. And we thank you how it is so clear that you have made us new people with a new perspective and a new purpose. Help us this coming year to turn ourselves over to you, to walk fully in the ministry that you've given to us, And to begin to declare reconciliation for all who would believe and invite others to believe and join us on this journey of faith. Father, I pray that no one would walk away this morning feeling condemned for not doing, but instead encouraged and motivated to do from now on. And right now, we think of that one person. That for the month of January, you're going to have us pray for and share this good news with. Would you lay that one person for January on our hearts even now? That we would see their face. That our perspective would change and we would understand they too can be saved. If only we will share the good news. If only we'll offer them the opportunity for reconciliation through Christ Jesus. And even now we pray for them that you would soften their hearts, that you would prepare the way that their experiences in the coming days would set the stage for them to understand their need for Jesus and the peace that only he brings. Help us to be bold, but not in our own goodness or our own strength or our own eloquence, but instead bold with the message knowing that it is the gospel that brings renewal not our eloquence not our good looks not our success only the gospel and may we share it faithfully in your name we pray this morning Lord Jesus use us to grow your kingdom amen